Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. LinkedIn presents... For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Hiroki Asai. He's the global head of marketing and creative at Airbnb. Hiroki oversees all of Airbnb's marketing efforts, as well as Airbnb's in-house creative teams. He's responsible for maintaining Airbnb's strong global brand and sharing the story of their millions of hosts who offer unique homes and experiences to guests around the world. Hiroki spent 18 years at Apple and served as Vice President of Global Marketing Communications and Executive Creative Director, where he was responsible for a variety of iconic marketing campaigns for a range of products, including the iMac, iPod, iPhone, iPad and Apple Watch. On the show today, we talk about his approach and focus on in-house creative teams and why it works. Talk about what he's looking for when he's hiring new creative team members, what makes a great campaign, and what's the latest insight from their latest product release around rooms, actually getting back to what Airbnb began many, many, many years ago. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Hiroki Asai. Well, Hiroki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. It's not every day you get to talk to somebody in the travel business at Airbnb is where you are. Where have you traveled to recently? Good question. So we just got back from a super quick trip to Vietnam. We were up way, way north 
up in the hill country, uh, up near the the border with China. There, my uh, my wife has arranged all this. She arranges all our travel. She's like the executive producer of our family <laughs> and uh, gets us to all these faraway places. But yeah, that was our most recent, which was pretty amazing. Uh, I've never heard. Well, one super quick trip and Vietnam uh, <laughs> uttered into the same sentence. Yeah. I mean, again, all, all credit to my wife. That's that's how we roll. We squeeze in a trip wherever we can. So the uh, kids had an opening with spring break. So we went for it. That's amazing. We went to Spain on our spring break and actually stayed in Airbnbs, which I, I can't even make that up. So yeah, yeah that's great. And my, I now need to give my wife a new title, executive producer of life. Um, <laughs> that's a fantastic title, much yeah. better than spouse or honey or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. More true to, more true to, more true to the yeah. actual role. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. um, so how did you get your start? You're now the global head of marketing and creative at Airbnb, but like, what was your path to get to where you are? Well, I uh, started as a graphic designer, uh, interestingly enough. And actually, even before then, I really got excited about uh, visual arts and art and design because uh, I, I grew up as a big skateboarder, which was, you know, would have been the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And skateboard graphics were the thing that I, and this is all pre-internet, just relied on magazines for visuals and media. And skateboard graphics were the things that just got me so excited. And I can vividly remember going to skate shops and looking at the wall of skateboards and the counters of just beautiful urethane wheels and just the satisfying experience of all those visuals and all those graphics are really what got me hooked and got me started in design and then ultimately into marketing. I love that. And we might be close to the same age, but I was a light skateboarder, maybe poser. Uh -huh. It could be considered a poser at times, but I used to love, and this was when I was probably on the younger end, those little finger skateboards. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. You yeah. could just play, like fiddle with and play with just any time of day. Anyway, my kids are things. very into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. So from skateboarding to graphic design, when did marketing enter the fray? I think uh, it's a good question. As a designer i guess the the funniest thing is as a designer i kind of saw the my time horizon as a graphic designer would be limited because i was pretty good but design is one of those things where there's constantly the design world moves quickly and there's a lot of new talent that moves in quickly and i knew that i was pretty good but probably not the best in the world at doing this mm -hmm. and so i knew pretty quickly that i would have to take what i learned and expand it grow it into something different and where I really took a lot of joy was taking everything I had learned around the creative process and the design process and applying it to problems outside of just designing a thing or creating a piece of marketing. And so that's where I really started to get interested in being thrown business problems and organizational problems and using my design training and creative abilities to, to solve those problems. Interesting. Interesting. And then what, how long have you been at Airbnb? What, what brought you there? I was, I've been here for, I think it's going to be four years, I think by next travel season, next summer. But you know, it, it's funny. I started helping out right around the end of 2019 because the, the CEO and the founder were interested in kind of creating a more creatively driven, design driven culture. And then the pandemic hit 
And, you know, you can imagine working for a travel company during the pandemic was pretty chaotic, <laughs> pretty, right. yeah. pretty crazy. And, but, you know, the experience of, of helping out through that and helping to get the company through that and, and working with all the people here during that kind of a crisis really bonded me to the, the mission of the company and to the people. And I really enjoyed it. And so that's when I decided that, you know, I really wanted to make the commitment and stick with them. And so I've been here ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad it worked out. Yeah. I know we're going to talk a little bit about what I hear is a focus on in-house creative teams. But before I do that, I have to at least highlight the fact that before Airbnb, you were at Apple for a number of years as well. I'm just curious if if that background is is what they at Airbnb were maybe looking for to to bring that design sense, if you will, into the Airbnb platform. Yeah, I don't know if they were looking for it, but whether they wanted or not, they maybe got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I think in answer to your question, much of the way I think and the way I approach the work that I do and teams comes from a lot of the my training that I had back then. But you know, what I what I'm a firm believer in is that creating an in-house team is definitely the future and definitely the way to go. And starting out in the design world, you spend your life starting on the agency side. And as you change through your career, you most likely end up on the client side. And having seen both sides of it, from my perspective, I think what's better for a company, what's better for a brand, and what's I think what's better for creatives, to be honest, long-term, is building that capability in-house. And so that's that's one of the things that I'm a real champion for that we've built here at Airbnb. That makes it makes sense. I mean, I've heard from other people and I'm curious if you agree with this, like the one is you're as a creative person, you're closer to the problem you're trying to solve. You're on the same team with your quote unquote clients versus mm-hmm. being in an agency. Um, and because you kind of get to live, if you will, with the challenge or the problem or the opportunity, whatever you want to you're trying to solve for, there's also a little bit more investment in and how you approach solving that problem. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if it's investment as much as just a a different operating model and from what Mm. people are used to. You know, I think the advantage of having creatives in-house is, yes, I think there's a big advantage in being for creatives to be closer to the problem to solve it better. Mm. I think the real hidden advantage is that when you're working on your products and when you're thinking about products and features and what you're doing for your customers, you also think about how you can communicate those products, features to your customers in 15 or 30 seconds. And having that practice of communicating it in 15 seconds right next to the practice that has to design it and make it functional really informs both sides. It's really hard to build something that you can't explain in 15 seconds. (laughs) It's really hard to think about a feature if you can't talk about it in two slides. And so having that, that, that's what in-house does is it builds that discipline of you're, you're building what we call the inbound at the same time you're thinking about all of the marketing, which is the outbound. And I think ultimately that just leads for a, a better product and a better process. I love that. I love that. Well, um, when you're trying to staff or, or hire or recruit creative folks to come work in an in-house team, what are, um, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you, what's, what stands out to you? Yeah, it's a good question. 
I, I think if you back out from, you know, what is the advantage of doing this? And I think the advantage is when you have all those disciplines of making the product and communicating the product sitting together in the same room, the advantage is that you're working on something the way that a customer would see it, how they would approach it in the marketing that reaches them, how they would interact with it in the product that they use. And so I think when we're looking for people, we're looking for people that have the, they may not practice it, but they have the capability to see a much broader view of what we're working on through the eyes of a customer. So we're looking for people that know the art of advertising, but also know the relevance of that next to the product itself. And we're looking for marketing people that can understand all the tactics of marketing and getting that out to the right person, but then understand the role of then what happens to that person when they go and interact with the product. And then product people that can then do all of that as well. So it's the ability for someone to be able to, within the course of a project or maybe even a week or maybe even a day, zoom way out and then zoom way back in. Does does that make sense? That was kind of a long answer. No, it does. It does make sense. It does make sense. I mean, it's a unique skill set to be able to do that, I think, or type of person maybe, or maybe it's just thinking like a design person, frankly. Um, yeah, to be able to zoom in and zoom out. I'm thinking of like the double diamond approach to design or something where you're kind of like iterating through that explosion into refinement, they're narrowing and back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's, um, it does require a really specific kind of person. And I think creatives are naturally built to do that a little bit more because I think creatives are naturally yeah. built to look at things from a different perspective. And the training of looking at it from macro to micro, macro to micro, customer view, Airbnb view, customer Airbnb view, host view, guest view, to be able to attack something that way from all those different mindsets. I think creatives kind of naturally do that. Yeah, makes sense. Well, one of the things I know as you you highlighted the you know, arriving before the pandemic, um, so you've lived through this, but during that time period, there was kind of a shift in the marketing mix, I believe that Airbnb had, meaning like a pullback from performance marketing, maybe more of a focus on brand marketing. I'm curious how that's played out over time. And the reason I ask is I've seen a lot of changes from other marketers in that regard too. It's almost like, uh, I hate to coin a term around it, but it seems like I'll call it the great rebalancing <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of pullback from performance and like make sure that we're doing both of those things well. But curious how it's worked out for Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. We get asked this a lot. I think the way to think about it is is we've rebal. I guess I'll use your word. We've we've rebalanced our spend between performance and brand. And the problem that we were solving for was that when you're over-indexed on performance, you don't really have the opportunity to put a narrative out there to tell your story and to explain mm-hmm. to people why what you offer is different from what other people offer. And you are, uh, you're constantly, without that, you're constantly being reactive to the other stories that people are making up about you. Other people mm-hmm. fill that void of who you are and what you're about if you don't fill it yourself. And so in the case of Airbnb, we were being very reactive to press. We were kind of dealing very reactively around our messages. And I don't know that, that our potential guests, our customers knew what made us different or what the experience with us would be versus someone else. And so brand and some of those brand tactics really helped to do that. So that, that's what our emphasis has been is to, number one, create new products and features that are different. 
that offer people a different experience with uh, when they travel with us, a different kind of traveling. Um, and then also use brand to explain what that experience is like and what our products do. It sounds, you know, it's kind of, maybe it's a little oversimplified, but, but that's, the, that's the basic principle of it. And when you think about me, there's a, a little bit of an emphasis in your response around product features and the uniqueness of those. How much do you think like, or what is maybe the better way to describe this? What's the interplay between kind of the ethos of Airbnb and the product? And I know those, that may sound like an odd question because obviously they're intertwined. They're the same thing, but, but bear with me. Like, do you, do you understand the question? Does it make sense? Yeah. No, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try and answer it best I can. I think, I don't think the brand is separate from the product. And I think a lot of people mm -hmm. may think brand marketing is where you talk about your vision of the world, your mission, your values. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I think most people really don't care about a company's <laughs> mission and values, especially yeah. when they're seeing it during an NBA finals game. You know? And right. I think what, right. what people really want uh, is for you to solve a problem or do something different and special in their experience with your product. And, you know, that's where I think having innovative features and offering something exciting and different and new is what people are looking for. And brand marketing is a tool to explain that to people. Now we do it, we try and do it in a brand forward way, but our philosophy is really that you, you want to tell people what we're doing and what our products are about, not sell people. Mm. You know, and so, and so we, we do pretty, it's, it, it is very much brand forward and you get a very good sense of the brand when we do it, but it is about the features of, of our experience and of our product. Gotcha. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's talk about campaigns. What, in your mind, makes for a great campaign? Yeah. <laughs> good question. Good question. Uh, what makes for a good campaign? One of the things that we always try to adhere to is to make sure that we're telling the truth. And I think there's so much advertising out there. There's so much media out there. There's so many distractions. There's so many devices that people, number one, don't really have the time and patience to sit through much of what you tell them. And I don't think, and I, and I also think that people have a pretty good filter on what's real and what's not and when they're being sold and when they're not being sold. And so we, what we really try and do is just be as honest as possible and really reveal the truth, not try and sell it. So with our work, with the, our last campaign, which is Categories, and our next campaign coming up, which by the time this airs may be already out into the world, which is our Rooms campaign, 
it really is about highlighting real stories of real people through their pictures, just set to music with a little bit of audio, talking about traveling on Airbnb or some of the experiences they've had on Airbnb. I love that. And I mean, is it, I'm going to ask a question that may seem obvious, but is it the mixture of those three components, right? The real people, the real photographs that they took and the light soundtrack that makes it in your minds an Airbnb campaign? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it sounds when I say it out loud, even when I hear right. it from my mouth, it sounds like the most boring campaign in the world. <laughs> but it's really but it, come down. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, it's not it's right. Not. Cause it, if you think about, I mean, I, I'll put my plug on it and it, uh, you can expound on this, but like there's so much spit and polish on advertising today. And I'm sure your ads are beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's like overly produced to a large extent. Um, it's like a cinematic movie sometimes when in reality it's, it, it's, it's like, Oh, that was beautiful. I can't remember what it was about. It, it didn't connect in many ways. And I could see the elements that you just described potentially connecting better. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it we, Try and imagine that the people that are going to be watching this, you know, we don't want to insult their intelligence and mm -hmm. we don't want to come across as pushy and salesy. And we're, we're kind of, we're all creatives and maybe we're, this is our downfall, but we're all of the mindset that people appreciate great work and smart messages and innovative features that can really change the way they travel or experience the world. And so it is guest photos and guest audio and it's just set to music but i think the juxtaposition of those really simple elements get at to kind of creatively and beautifully and hats off to the advertising creatives but it, they do really strike a chord and get to a, a deeper shared experience of you know humor or awe or irony about travel that we all love and I think at the same time, they underscore that, wow, this could, this happens because it's a unique Airbnb listing, or this happens because there's a host that's there while I'm traveling. Right. It's the, it's the combination of all of those elements that make it something that only Airbnb can deliver. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In many cases. And I, and yeah. I, yeah. And I think as a, as a creative myself, and I know with that, with our teams, we love the challenge of just working with those simple elements because it's, mm. it's much easier just to start to throw gobs and gobs of production at it and gobs and gobs of celebrities and special effects. But to restrict ourselves to something so simple, mm. I think number one makes it cut through, but number two, I think pushes you to get something out of it that's much deeper. And we, we just love that challenge and that, that discipline. Love it. Well, you mentioned campaign of around categories and then the upcoming one around rooms. Tell me a little bit about like the insight behind where it, one, I guess the push around Airbnb rooms and, and then maybe the campaign itself. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll talk about rooms. So one of, and I, this question kind of goes back to the, the, how we work, you know, our operating mm -hmm. model and product and design. And it's really the advantage of putting them all next to each other is that they operate off the same insight. And we had this interesting insight into rooms and this was reflected in the advertising and was one of the reasons why we pushed it with the product is that it's an incredibly popular, and it's been out there before. It's the original right. Airbnb. It just has never been um, innovated or hasn't been innovated in quite a while and was never marketed. And what's amazing is that there's been millions and millions of people staying in rooms over the years and they've left 
hundreds of millions of reviews and they're overwhelmingly positive. And for the, they, Room's hosts are our highest rated hosts. (laughs) And so there's this behavior out there that's already happening. And there's these people that have discovered it and had incredible experiences. And so really it was, there's just one thing that's keeping people from digging into this. And it's the fact that they're a little bit nervous about staying with another person. Right. When I talk about it to you and when we just say it out loud, it does sound a little intimidating. But then when you read some of these reviews and you look at some of these trips that people have, it's it's kind of a no brainer how great this experience is, especially if you're a younger traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that insight led to the host passport, which is a really cool feature that's designed into rooms where you could really get to know the host and see their profile and understand, you know, see things like what their most useless skill is or what their theme song in high school was or what they're going to cook you for breakfast. And it also, you know, led us to the insight of doing some research and talking to some of these people that have traveled in rooms and seeing what their experiences are. And I think those two things, those things came together beautifully. Well, I like the, I like the notion of host passport and being able to understand the person. I feel like that would give me a little bit more comfort in terms of like, what, what is this going to feel like if I haven't done it before? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's human nature that when you haven't tried something and it's right. new, that you create a story about how dangerous it could be or how scary <laughs> it could be right. you know, with anything right. new, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like a, it's like a survival instinct. And I think without anyone telling the story of what these hosts actually, who these hosts actually are and what the experience is like, people tend to go to the to the most fearful places. But the, the passports are great because you realize they're just, regular people. They're people that are, you know, business people, marketers, finance folks, designers, architects, artists, and they all have regular jobs. You know, they're all, they tend to be fairly interesting and fairly unique uh, because they're wanting to meet new people. And, you know, they also have pretty cool places that are in all the parts of the city that you want to visit. Right, right, right. No, it makes a lot of sense. Well, so if I think about the campaign, which I haven't seen it yet, um, is it a focus on telling the stories of the host or is it a dual telling the story of the traveler as well as the experience of the host? I'm just curious how it plays out. Yeah, it's told uh, through the voice of the guest. Okay. And so, awesome. yeah, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You and there's some sound design sometimes when you can hear the host, but mm-hmm. it's really the narrative of the guest and the narrative of their photos and what they experienced and their kind of contact and connection with the host and how the, what part the host played in their trip. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of like the fact that you're going back to the, to the roots of, uh, of Airbnb as well. (laughs) One with this product, like highlighting this as the part of the service or the part of the product that, that you have. It it is originally how it started, correct? I mean, I guess it was originally couches. (laughs) <laughs> but then yeah. maybe it became rooms pretty quickly after that. So. Yeah, yeah, it was the original way that the that the three founders started the company is that they 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 were the first hosts. I mean, they they <laughs> Airbnb their apartment and they got three visitors for a design conference that, that was happening. And I think their experience with the whole thing was so good that they they saw the idea there. And I mean, wh- what I love about it is it is the original Airbnb. It is it does provide people with an unbelievable, memorable travel experience. But it also shows that 
if you're really looking for an authentic way to travel and have mm. a really unique experience, there's lots of ways that you can Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You can do it through a room. You could do it through a home. You can do it through something as crazy as a castle <laughs> or, or a boat on a river. But there's, there's lots and lots of ways to experience the world in a really unique way. It doesn't have to be um, a cookie cutter experience. It could be just as crazy as all the places you're visiting. Just as fun. Yeah. No, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um, I, I, this is not a an endorsement, but I have to say it is like my my last vacation was two Airbnbs traveling through Spain oh. with my family. We rented the entire apartment or flat because yeah. we like we like to have like a two bedroom setup, which is nice for us. But it's so nice to just be integrated into where you are. Mm. And you can't really replicate that in a hotel. I mean, hotels are nice. No, no, no shame if you travel by hotel. But like being able to just walk into the apartment building, go to your flat and then come downstairs and see the local folks that you're staying around, you know, eating in the local cafe or you know, shopping at the market next door. You can't kind of replicate that if you don't like start to live in the place that you're visiting. So that's my endorsement for Airbnb. <laughs> We should just record that and put it in your photos and make a spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and we it, the crazy thing is like we stayed in um, Barcelona and Madrid because kind of like split spring break in half between yeah. those two locations. But the the place in um, I left both of them, but the <laughs> we stayed in the main square in Madrid, which I didn't even. That's fathom. I didn't even fathom that there was a Airbnb there. And I, I think there were a few actually in that square, yeah. but uh, it was pretty amazing. It was a little like Times Square at times though, which is not great, but because it was during um, their Easter festivals. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. There were lots of parades and, and yeah. music going on, but, but, uh, but it couldn't have asked for a better location. So it yeah, it's, it's funny. It's kind of a simple thing that people forget sometimes is that you, when you stay in a person's house or a person's residence, you're going to stay in one of the cooler parts of the city because that's where people want to live. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? exactly. You're, you're, you're rarely going to rent an Airbnb in a tourist district like Union Square in San Francisco or something because that's not where people live and that's not where neighborhoods are. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly. great. I'm glad. I mean, thank goodness. You had two great experiences. <laughs> I did. I did. There was one, like, I'll just say, like, in Barcelona, it was great. And the the, the host was fantastic. Um, but there was, like, a plumbing problem that, that crept up. So we had to deal with that a little bit. But he was amazing just, uh, you know, in terms of, like, making it easy and not impacting our travel. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, awesome. um, well, one of the things we like to do on the show is um, to get to know you a little bit better. Know your former skateboarder you have quick trips across the globe <laughs> to, to far off places but my favorite question i ask everybody that comes on the show is has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are oh nice light easy one to end with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. an experience in my past that that makes up who i am mm-hmm. gosh that's a really good question I, you know, I have to say, I, I know I started with this, but that experience as a kid being really passionate about some kind of youth subculture mm-hmm. really changed who I am on, on a lot of levels. The first level professionally, it's just, it got, 
that whole industry and that whole subculture really got me interested in design, you know, as did surfing, which is a really you know, graphically, mm-hmm. visually based subculture too, that, I, that really kind of shaped what I wanted to do. But then also it kind of shaped me because when you follow these kinds of youth subcultures, and I'm still a big rabid fan of all that subculture today, is it really gets you in touch with where things are going, how people are feeling, what they're rubbing up against, you know, the friction mm-hmm. they feel, the reactions that they want to have. And I always feel like youth culture and those types of little subcultures are the leading indicators of where culture at large is going. And so it's kind of a long convoluted answer to your question. But I think being a kid in Cupertino, isolated without the internet, having to search out interesting stimulus and finding these subcultures, I think that was a really formative, formative point in my life for me. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's fascinating. And I, I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, in terms of the youth culture being kind of indicative or a, a vision into where, where culture is going to head because they're ultimately the change makers <laughs> largely mm-hmm. as, as I get older, I start to realize how patterned my behavior has become <laughs> uh, yeah. for better or for worse. And, um, it, it takes more effort to, to get outside of that, right? But they're, you know, making their patterns from scratch. Um, yeah. And that's pretty interesting. That's yeah. Pretty interesting. Well, uh, what, what advice would you give yourself if you're starting this journey all over again? Oh, yeah, gosh. What advice would I give myself? I think I would tell myself to not worry so much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that... Yeah. Yeah, I think I would tell myself to just enjoy the ride a little bit more and enjoy the view a little bit more. And that at the end of the day, a lot of the things that you think are really important and really matter in the grand scheme of things don't. And it's it's the things you didn't do that you miss more, that you feel more than sometimes the things that you did achieve. So I think Mm. that's what I tell myself. Chill out is what I tell myself. Chill out. There's the subculture. There's the subculture. Well, uh, is there a topic that either you're trying to learn more about or you think marketers need to be learning more about? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, having studied design, I'm a big fan of design and I, I really enjoy digging into design. And coming from the design side and the creative side, I do feel like there is a big gap between design and marketing. And it kind of historically always has been. And I always if there's anything that I wish more marketers would pay attention to is really product and design and, and understanding, you know, the experience of a customer and a user and designing for problems and designing to facilitate behavior and what that means to how you talk about your product or your company or your brand. Yeah. I, I think if you, you might agree with this, which is, you know, if you, you start with a, a poorly designed product, it's, oh my gosh, how hard is it to market it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the worst job in the world when right. I think about it as a marketer versus like the difference that a great product and how easy or quote unquote easy uh, is to market it. it. It's the foundation, I guess, to, to how you talk about it, how you solve the needs. It's come up on a, a number of shows with other marketers as well. And I do, to your point, I do think there is a gap between recognizing that we we tend to focus on the the go-to-market activity after the product or service is created and probably could stand to spend more time questioning 
if the product or service is built right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, on a personal note, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Oh, I'm terrible at this. I, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I'm terrible at this question. Kind of, I guess what I've always been following fairly closely is, you know, like I said earlier, youth subculture. Yeah. I've got a, a bunch of kids at home and, you know, they're, they're really into all the stuff that I was into when I was a kid too. And it's just really interesting to follow, you know, some of these newer, and I tend to follow the more surf and skateboarding brands, but the, the smaller ones like Uma is one and there's another one, Former which I find really interesting. And Mollusk is another one, which I love, but they tend to be, they're just really, really creative. And like I said, I, I, I think they're, they're early indicators of how people are thinking and the mood that they're in and how they're kind of digesting the world. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, I think, I think youth subculture brands are the, are the ones that I, I tend to pay the most attention to. I love it. Love it. I'll have to check those out. Well, last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today the largest opportunity or threat <laughs> save the easiest for last <laughs> yeah God, these get easier and easier <laughs> the largest opportunity threat i think it's probably it goes back to that division between design and marketing yeah i, I think with so much of the world and so much of business and commerce and products don't really have any differentiation and so they rely on marketing to be the differentiator and so you mm. tend to want to wrap an idea around something versus starting with the thing and having a feature or component of it that has some innovation and then explaining that to the world. Yeah. I didn't really think about it until you just described it that way. I had this thought of like the compounding effect that that has. The fact that like we spend all of our time marketing these poorly designed products and services, mucking up the ecosystem, <laughs> if right. you will, and annoying people with our, our marketing that we're trying to you know, artfully craft right? versus inspiring them to go try things because, oh my gosh, I can't imagine any a better design product or service. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about the compounding effect of like that happening over and over and over and as a consumer sitting there right. just digesting all of that. Right, right. And I think, you know, I think this happens. I mean, I've noticed it too with advertising creatives is that you, your instinct is to come and add an idea to something. Right. Versus create the idea out of what the thing is actually doing. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bring it to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Um, Which sounds like kind of easy and it's not easy, though. pedantic, but it's, it is difficult. It is, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Haruki, it's been amazing having you on and, and hearing about your journey, your love of design, um, subcultures, and I've now got some brands I need to go check out and understand. <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show. You're very welcome, Alan. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today. And you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 